Hi everybody, my name's Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, can we thank our orchestra, our choir, Ken, our director? Jesus, God. Boy, did I need that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So good to be with you. My name is Gary. I'm on staff here and just want to take some time and reflect with all of us for a little bit. Let me ask you this question. When was the last, or when do you first remember your sense of longing, having a, a sense of longing? Remember that? I was six years old. I grew up in Marin County, and my mom took me Christmas shopping. Now, when I say she took me Christmas shopping, it wasn't for me. I was to go alongside her while she went Christmas shopping. And that was before iPads and iPhones and all that stuff. So my job was to entertain myself at this store, the Emporium. Anyone remember the Emporium? Yeah. My mom, uh, we were in the men's department, and she said to me, she marked out the boundaries and said, uh, that's how far you can go. Keep me in eyesight. Don't get lost. Uh, and then we'll be here. I'll be a little bit, but then go. So off I went. The men's department was my playground. Uh, back in that day, you could smoke in the Emporium. And so the first thing I did that I remember is going to the ashtrays, picking up the cigarettes, and putting them in all the mannequins throughout <laughs> the Emporium. So they were all smokers. And, and then uh, the men's department became a battlefield for me. I'm a guy. And, and so I grabbed some socks, went into the rack of pants, hid in the middle of them, popped my head up and threw a grenade at people and, um, and just have fun. Then it got boring. So after about 15 minutes, uh, I saw my mom and then I saw the women's department. I thought that looks like fun. And off I wandered into the women's department thinking I knew better than my mom. And then next to the women's department was the toy department. Off I wandered into the toy department. And before I knew it, I was completely lost. I had lost sight of my mom. And I started crying and panicking and just wanting my mom back. And I looked at the mannequins and I I said, I bet those are kids who disobeyed their parents (laughs) and had to grow up in the emporium their whole life. (laughs) And I just started screaming and crying. And then my mom found me. Do you remember your first sense of longing? Uh, Webster's defines longing this way. Look at this definition. Maybe you can relate. A strong desire for something that's unattainable. Maybe you don't remember your first sense of longing, but we all have them. We all can come in touch with them. Uh, And I want to consider that this morning. I suspect Longing is true about you because it's true about me and it's true about all of us on this platform. This isn't a Christian thing. This is a human thing. We all have longings. And if we can go one-on-one and, uh, you know, seeing people coming back from college, seeing you, I've wanted to stop time and I wish I could go one-on-one with you. I would have us have a cappuccino together and I would ask you to consider that all our longings at the core come down to three different areas. The first is this, a longing to be loved. At the core, we all long to be loved, to be recognized, to be valued. The second is a 
longing for community. It's why bars are popping up all over Redwood City and becoming more and more popular. It's why our health club uh, across the bridge and the fitness classes, CrossFit, boot camp, all that stuff is becoming more and more popular. It's why we join groups. It's why we, uh, people join cults. Some of you think CrossFit is a cult. It's not. But we long to be in community, to be accepted there. And then we all long for meaning. We want to know we're doing more than just taking up space on the planet. We want to know that what we do with our one and only life matters in this life, but then matters beyond our life. Those are our core longings. That's true of all of us here. And you can disagree with me, but you'd be wrong. (laughs) Because we have these longings. Like I said, this is not a Christian thing. This is a human thing. We all have this at our core. So if we're able to sit together over cappuccino, eventually, if you trusted me enough, you'd come to one of these three heart longings because these define every one of us. Like that great theologian Bruce Springsteen said, everybody's got a hungry heart. And at the core of them are these three longings. What are you longing for today? And then comes Christmas. And those longings just get intensified or amplified. And we hope that at the Christmas table, a relationship or a food or a tradition will meet those longings. But they don't. Or if you're a kid here, a student, you hope that's what's under the tree will meet that longing. But it won't for long. Or for too many of us this year, we're hoping somehow that the new year will come and magically 2019 will wave a wand over 2018 and all the pain we've carried this year, which is really our longings that are unmet, will magically go away. See, this is universal, friends, and the sad reality is there's not a Christmas meal or an earthly relationship or a Christmas present that will fulfill those core longings. So how do we satisfy them? We can't, but God does. That's why when the shepherds heard an announcement, it wasn't an announcement of good advice. It was an announcement of good news. Uh, An author, theologian, pastor, Timothy Keller, in his book, Hidden Christmas, talks about the difference between advice and news. And he says, advice is counsel about what you must do. News is a report about what's already been done. Advice urges you to make something happen. News urges you to recognize something has happened and respond to it. Advice says it's all up to you to act. That wouldn't be good news. News says someone else has acted on your behalf. See, the gospel narratives, the story of Jesus' life, birth, death, resurrection, they're telling us not what we should do, but what Jesus did for us. And I just have us consider, if it was just the two of us drinking a cappuccino, I'd lean in and ask you, that you consider, isn't this what Christmas is all about? A God coming to earth because we've wandered, not to condemn us, but to satisfy with love 
our deepest, deepest longing. Throughout the Christmas narratives, this is the story of Jesus. And this is what happens to every person Jesus meets. Their deepest longings are satisfied. Let's start with Mary. When the announcement's made of the Savior's birth, look at the soul-satisfying response of Mary to this news. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord and how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Look, I've had some great Christmas meals. I'm 100% Italian. Uh, I've had some amazing Christmas meals in my life. I never left a table saying that because it can only satisfy my stomach. But Jesus goes deeper to our soul. The shepherds, when they were announced, the news, not the advice, the news of Jesus' birth, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. The word is to you personally. I wish I could stop time with our cappuccinos if I knew your name and I would say to you, the Savior's been born. Wanderer, one who thinks you've wandered too far, one who thinks you would never qualify for the love of God, Jesus ran after you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Now look what it says. The sheep herders returned and let loose. This is soul satisfying satisfaction, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. Isn't that great? Then there's this guy named Simeon. He lived in Jerusalem, really old guy. He was told he wouldn't die before this soul-satisfying Savior would come to earth. And he's eating Wheaties one morning, and the Holy Spirit taps him and says, go now, go to the temple now. And he shows up just as Jesus is being dedicated, and he grabs the birth child in his arms, and he says this, look at, look at how longing is met here. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, in our vernacular, let me die right now because it's not going to get any better than this. I am so overwhelmed at the core, Simeon is saying, for my eyes have seen your salvation. See, these three characters, and that's just at his birth, we can go through the whole life if we had hours and talk about how every person Jesus encountered had a soul-satisfying longing met. Regardless of gender, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of morality, if they were humble enough to come to Jesus, he was loving enough to accept them right where they are and meet them in a unique, powerful way at the core. Why did God come to earth? Because like eight, uh, six-year-old Gary in Emporium Thinking he knew better than his mom, we've all wandered. We've all gone beyond the boundaries that God has set for life. And in our wandering, and again, I'm not going to appeal to theology. I'm going to appeal to logic right now. Just look at our world, men and women. And look at the conflict in our world. As God's creation, we're conflicted with creation. We are not stewarding the earth the way we should. We're conflicted with each other, personally, in our homes, with ourselves, in our neighborhoods, in our cultures. We can't even get along in a city 
with a bunch of different ethnicities, let alone a country and a world. We're conflicted. And we're conflicted with God. And sadly, just look at this. We're conflicted with life itself. The last word written over all of us is going to be death. We were never created that way. All that is evidence that we've wandered from God's design. And here's the most important thing I want to say to you if we were just having a cappuccino. God loved you too much to let you live conflicted. So God did the unthinkable. He unzipped eternity, stepped out of heaven in a form we could relate to. And like my mom in the emporium, switching from the men's to the women's to the toy department, God shifted to the earth department to find us and to say to each one of us, I've got good news for you. Your wandering doesn't keep you away from my love. It's time to come home. I want us to think of one last thing if we were having that cappuccino. And it's something I haven't really thought of till this Christmas. But Christmas is actually a collision of longings. I know because we're all human and we're pretty focused on ourselves, we think of our longings. But for a minute, can you think of this Christmas being the satisfaction of God's longings? I'm not even going to assume we're all deists in this room. And everyone's welcome. But if there's a creator, can I have you consider this Christmas that Christmas is a satisfaction of his longing? Jesus, right before his death, climbed a mountain over Jerusalem before what was called the triumphal entry. We celebrate that on Palm Sunday. You know what he did over that city? He broke down and wept. Because he was so overwhelmed with a longing, God's longing. Look what it says. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. And if we had more time, I would build that out. Doesn't matter for this discussion. Here's the part that matters. Look what Jesus says. Embracing the heart of God. How often I have longed to gather you, uh, your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing. Have you ever considered Christmas being the collision of longings where the longings of Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit meet our deepest longing and the output is a supernatural life? So it turns out my first memory of longing, longing for my mom that I lost because I wandered was the meta-narrative of my life. I would wander in my life from God. And my mom finding me in the toy department when I was helpless and couldn't find her is the good news of what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus finding me as a lost person with not good advice, but good news that he came to rescue me. So if we were having cappuccino at this point, I'd look you in the eye because I care about you that much. And I'd ask, what do you believe about Christmas? And let you dialogue with me. Do you believe Christmas is a divine collision where God's longings meet your deepest longings? Do you believe, as the carol, a little town of Bethlehem says, the hopes and fears of all the years could be met in Christ tonight? 
And then I'd ask you this last question. What are you going to do about it? What difference will Christmas make in your life if you really believe it? This Christmas, why not unwrap God's gift for all of us, the gift of Jesus? And why not invite him in? Now, we don't have gifts under the tree. We don't do that till Christmas Eve. But I know on Christmas morning, there's going to be some gifts under the tree. A few of them are going to have my name on it. My net worth is going to increase just by a little bit on Christmas morning. And how do I activate that? Simply by receiving. How do you activate this gift of Christmas, of Jesus? The same way. We're not here to give you good advice because Christmas isn't about what you have to do. That's not good news. We're here to give good news. You haven't wandered too far. Jesus loves you and has given you the gift of new life and forgiveness. So as we close, as the angel said, Jesus was born for you. I have a Christmas prayer as a gift for you. It's my gift to you. You can make this your own. There's nothing magic about those words. But this is the activator, friends, putting your faith in Jesus, opening your life to Jesus, saying to him, I've tried it my way. It's not working. And inviting him to start anew in you. Let's close in prayer. I'm going to pray it. You can make this your prayer. Heavenly Father, it's, it's almost overwhelming if it's true, and I believe it to be true. This greatest gift of Jesus, what God would become a human in love to chase after moral rebels, creation, who shook their fist at him and ran away. God, it's moments like these, we know we're conflicted. We know our wandering has wreaked havoc in our own life, in the lives of people we love. We just can't be satisfied horizontally. And so we just turn to you because you came to the world to meet our core longing, which is to be found. Lord, we receive the gift of your love. We confess we have wandered morally and we're in desperate need of forgiveness. So thank you for doing that and more on the cross. Jesus, step into my life. The door of my life is wide open. Forgive me and create in me a life of love, of community of eternal purpose. Amen. That's the start, friends, of new life in Christ, of a journey and an adventure, painful. You don't get taken out of this world. This is a real world where the bullets are real and you get hurt and the conflict happens, but it's the start of a life of forgiveness that lasts forever, where your deepest longings get satisfied. If you prayed with me, we have a gift for you. It's in the back, and Peter will tell you about it, but it's a little book written by someone who passed away this year, Billy Graham, called The Cradle, the Cross, and the Crown. It would be our joy for you to take that book and to learn how to grow in that relationship with Christ. It would be our joy to serve you and help you grow in that relationship with Christ. 
Let's continue to worship together. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.